Easy is a descendant of slavery. His ancestors were the first humans in the world to be considered property under the rubric of pure capitalism. We were not only property, but also compelled to become the almost completely dehumanized techniques of mass production. As time has gone on, the rest of America, women, transgendered people, other so-called races, and even working-class whites have begun to understand that this world wants to own their labor, hollow out their souls, and sell their produce in bulk to a world that does not know their names before, during, or after the material transaction that defines their brief, unsatisfying existence. Uh, that is the part of the introduction to Walter Mosley's Devil in the Blue Dress, the 30th anniversary. That He has a date on there, 2020, so that is fairly new within yeah. the last two years. I just brought that up because, god damn it, man, doesn't that just tell it like it is right now, the work culture? It's just like you're just a known name. You're just a number, yeah. a cog in the machine, and even though the times have changed and the races who are getting fucked have been altered i wouldn't say necessarily changed because uh you know everybody's still getting fucked the same but it's just spread out now yeah more people are getting screwed over and the same thing though it's just fucking labor it's just hey we're big corporations now we're not slave owners anymore but we might as well be well now it's not um yeah i think it it's it has switched from more of a a race other to a class it's a class uh, system yeah you now to. you know now it doesn't matter you can be White, black, Mexican, whatever, as long as you are below a certain pay grow, you're getting it. Yeah, it's terrible out there. Um, I don't want to dwell on that. I just, I read that introduction to The Devil in the Blue Dress, and it was really good. It made me excited for reading the book. Uh, you already read it, but we'll, yes. we'll talk. We're doing an episode, by the way, because I guess this episode will drop in February. So, for February, book of the month is Devil in the Blue Dress by Walter Mosley. It's uh, like a crime noir. I'm really excited to read that, and uh, I just I was sitting here waiting for you to come over, and I was reading that introduction, and man, oh man, that just like goddamn, yeah. he told it like it is, right off Jump Street. I'm just like, yep, I'm gonna like this book. The only thing that threw me in that little you know part there is whenever he mentions like the other so-called races. Well, he elaborated either after that or before that. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't read the introduction. I did. You did. You remember? I did. I did. I just. I. I don't remember him putting in enough context to where I was just like that was just like it was a weird thing. I don't know. Now, where was that part? He actually had a really good line in there. I, I would like to read that if I could find. It's only two pages here. I should be able to find it. You know that? Um, because I was looking at the different like all the other uh Easy Rollin books. And, like, you know, there's, like, 15 of them, but, like, one of them came out, like, within, like, the last couple years. It's, like, a newer one. Yeah, so. Well, I, I feel like this will be a series we might end up going down. Oh, I already I already kind of figured that I'm probably going to get the rest of these on my Kindle, probably. Nice. That's that's probably good moves. You don't have to fucking 50 paperback sitting around. Yeah, right. I figure I can just grab some of them, you know, grab buy a couple here, buy a couple there, because, like, did, like I saw a thing where you could buy all fifteen and it was like a hundred and like fifty dollars, mm-hmm. which I mean I guess isn't bad for like fifteen books, but I can't find that part. I'm not reading the whole thing again. But um, essentially what he was saying, reason why he had the other so-called races is because he was just pretty much saying at one point in there that we're just all the same. Yeah, like he didn't he doesn't look at black people, brown people, yellow people, white people. He doesn't look at them as that. Uh, that's all he was saying. It wasn't like the other so-called oh, yeah. resin. Yeah, no, I just remember whenever I... You thought I, it was a little odd. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just, I thought it was weird phrasing. 
Yeah, I guess you would just have to know more about Walter Mosley, which we don't really. We started watching some of his master class, but I haven't really looked up. Like, he talked about his life on there, which seemed mm-hmm. pretty, you know, cool. Like, he was doing, like, hippie shit, and, like, he was all over the place. But I haven't really looked into, like, his personal philosophy or anything yet. But anyway, uh, last night I finished The Two Towers. Ooh. And I'm going to tell you, Spencer, and I don't think you're going to like this. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this is going to overjoy you to hear this, but... So far, and I'm just going to count it all because Lord of the Rings is technically one book. Yeah. That's how it was written, which I think is why it works so good because a lot of series where me, I think me and Ashley discussed this, where the problem with a lot of fantasy series and just series in general is they're written like a series. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a whole story thought, like how TV shows go. Sometimes like, oh, season seven's kind of sucking now. It's because they didn't think that far ahead necessarily. Whereas Lord of the Rings, like he wrote it as one book. So that's why it flows so well. One big ass book. Yeah, but I will count The Hobbit too, even though it's not technically a part of it, just because it's the same universe and lore and everything uh, and has overlapping characters. I think Lord of the Rings, because you know me, I'm not a favorite guy. I never have a favorite author. I have favorites, Mm. but never just one favorite author, one favorite book, one favorite series, anything like that. I think Lord of the Rings, if I had to pick, so far, I didn't read the last book yet, if I had to pick, like, somebody was like, hey, what's your favorite all-time thing that you've read? So I like think it, it would say that. So, like, if you were on an island and you could only take, like, what, you know, Lord couple, of the Rings, couple yeah. books, it'd be Lord of the Rings? It would, and I'll tell you why. Because my metric for what makes a good book or a book series or anything like that, uh, one, Quality of writing, that's obviously what I usually go for. That's why I like literary fiction more than uh, just genre fiction, usually. Two, the storytelling, which that ties with number one, because if it's a shitty story, I don't care how well it's written, I'm probably not going to like it. So, yeah, quality of writing, good storytelling. What Tolkien has done, which I haven't come across because I don't read series too often, I would say Dune probably touched on this kind of thing. Yeah, Dune, obviously. Dune uh, would be a good example. I only read the first one was uh, world building, uh, being able to create history and lore in your stories. Uh, I don't think any, I'm sure there's people who've done better, but I mean, come on. How can you I mean, he, top Tolkien, really? He kind of created a genre. Yeah, it's it's literary merit. I would put it right up there with any literary fiction I've read. Now, when was it originally published? Was it the late 30s, 40s? Okay, I wasn't sure how early in like the, you know, into the 19, like how... The Hobbit came out I think in 37. Okay. Maybe somewhere around there, so after that, so... So they're closing in on 100 years here soon. Yeah, Um, and it still stands up to this day as one, I would say, I can't say, because I don't read a lot of fantasy, I can't say it's the best fantasy, but here's what I was, uh, what I thought was strange about the Lord of the Rings, because even in the classic lit group we're in, and on Goodreads, when I read reviews and stuff, a lot of people said that they were bored by it. That's one reason I never read The Lord of the Rings before, because I thought it'd be like H.P. Lovecraft, where it's like, oh, the ideas are actually cooler than the source material. When you go back and read the Cthulhu mythos, you're like, well, this is really cool, but not the actual writing, you know, not yeah. the storytelling. Wrong. I don't understand why people think Lord of the Rings is boring. I get some of the council talk they have, like the council Elrond and some of those things can be kind of boring because it's just exposition. But that's not that that's not that much, really. How many people do you think that say that watch the movies or like influenced or watched by- it first? Yeah, like are influenced by the movies. That's a possibility, and I will say, even though I watched the movies a long time, like when we were in school, that's how long mm. it's been. I don't really, I didn't remember anything, which was good. Like, I remember the characters, and that was about it. I knew they had to throw the ring in a fucking fire. 
Like I didn't remember all the stuff. Spoilers, about the- Caleb. Oh, Fuck. Sorry. God damn. I didn't. I didn't remember anything about like all the kings and stuff. And there's so many adventures that they like individual adventures they're on that I didn't remember any of that. I don't even know if that, some of that was in the movie. I don't remember. Um, I do have. I bought the Hobbit. After I read The Hobbit, I bought the DVD. It's say, fucking three movies, too. That does not yeah. need to be three movies, by I, the way. I was going to say, if I know Peter Jackson, I'm pretty sure they're yeah. in the movie. I was like, geez. But I'm going to watch those, and then I'm going to go, after I finish reading Lord of the Rings, uh, what I got, Return of the King left. After that, I'm going to watch the movies. I'm going to get the extended version. Uh, and then I'll be able to judge better, because those were, like, I didn't give a shit about those movies. Like, they were okay. Oh, yeah, no, no, I never It was kind of like... It was like watching Harry Potter to me. I was like, because we watched some of those in school too. And I was like, oh, wizards and shit. I guess that's okay. I, like, I just didn't care. Like, I had no interest in, fo- like, if I watched the first Lord of the Rings and never watched the rest of them, I wouldn't even know, really. I, you know what? I think. You might not have watched them. I'm going to say, I think that's me. I think I watched, like, the first one, then yeah. they played at school, and I never watched any of the other ones. But the books are so well done, and they're just so entertaining. And one thing, too, the humor in them. Like there's part, it's very rare I read a book where I'm actually laughing at times. I could probably count, you know, on my on my fingers how many times I've read a book that actually made me laugh out loud multiple times, especially outside of like comics too. So like that's what stuck out. I was like, there's a lot of funny stuff in there too. And honestly, I think it's kind of making me a better writer because now I'm thinking of like my metaphors and stuff in different ways that that I didn't have before because I never had that fantasy aspect to my writing. Whereas I'm, the story I'm writing has a lot of fantasy elements coming up. So I kind of need that. Yeah. So that's good. I can't say it's made me interested to read modern fiction, though, just because, like, from what I've read, I just I didn't give a shit. And I do get the whole, like, oh, all the names and the towns and the weird spelling. Yeah, that still is, like, kind of daunting to get into. That's like, that's like when you get into anything, whether it's tabletop games, RPGs, like, getting into that world. You have to, you know, there's a exposure period you need. Like even reading mangas, reading them backwards and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it, it it could turn you off if you just like oh, I don't really want to get it. And there's nine thousand volumes of this one series. I don't want to get. It. But once you do and you get your feet wet, it's fine. Yeah. It's just like you know the initial dip in the pool. It's too cold. But once you get your body acclimated, you're all right. So once your mind's acclimated to fantasy and stuff like that, I think uh, it's okay. So I will explore more fantasy in the future. Now, how much is like um. Because, you know, like, I always see other, like, uh, stories that take place in Lord of the Rings and, like, like in that, you know, well, within after that I, ward is, like, is that written by him? Yeah, everything's written by him. Um, Christopher Tolkien edited some of the, like, the Silmar- Silmarillion, I think he edited that and put it together, but Tolkien wrote it, I yeah. believe he wrote everything. So I am going to read the Silmarillion after Return of the King. And uh, that's the one that's apparently really challenging. But everyone, I the people who gave negative reviews of the Lord of the Rings, the two things, it was boring and it was challenging to read. It was too hard to read. I haven't had any problem reading. I thought it was easy. Like, I I mean, we come from a slightly different generation compared to, like, the Zoomers and stuff now. But I wouldn't think this was any not anything a teenager couldn't read. Like, I don't understand... I mean, you get some of the backwards type of Yoda talk, you know, like the medieval talk. Mm-hmm. That could throw you off for a minute. But once you, again, once you get acclimated to it, it's not hard. So I don't know why people think it's challenging. I think the biggest problem for people would just be the atten- their own attention span. Is just like you're reading something that's kind of dense because I got those little Hobbit editions, you know? Yeah. The little pocket editions I've been reading. So the te- like the text is really small. So it looks like you have big blocks of text that might not be as bad in like a bigger format. 
But I could see people looking at that and going, oh, that's too much for me. And the material covered is very dense. So when they talk about the lore of something, they really go into it. But I like that stuff. I like world building and things like that. So I, I found it entertaining. I think it's, uh, like I said, so far, unless Return of the King really shits the bed, mm-hmm. which from my understanding, that's one like that's probably the best one. I, I think it's good. So far, I rated the first two, uh, all three books so far, The Hobbit, The Fellowship, and The Two Towers. Five out of five stars for me. Now, when are you going to start the... Uh, After the I read this bl- Devil in the Blue Dress. My plan here is I'm going to read the Devil in the Blue Dress in a couple days. Yeah, it then, won't take you long. Yeah, you said you flew through it, so it's, it shouldn't take long. And then I'm going to... I told Ashley we were going to start that Oblivion inebriated reading challenge thing uh, mid-February, but maybe it's going to be a little sooner because I don't think it's going to take me very long to read this book. And uh, so I'm going to do Return of the King, and then since that's short stories, I'll just read a short story for the podcast yeah. and do it that way. And I'm still reading this Hemingway. I actually got, I don't know, 150 pages into this Hemingway book. And like I said, I've just been reading one article a night when I started like a month or two ago. So that's yeah. not bad. No. Most of them are only three pages long. So Make sure you don't uh, forget to uh, cover some time for- I read that before you came over. For uh, bog bodies? Yeah, I read that in about, uh, yeah, in 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Maybe a little longer. I took a bath because my back's been hurting, so I read some in there, and then I came down here and read the rest. And you know what, Spencer? I was going to save for book club, but since the listeners aren't in our book club, yeah. didn't care for it. No? I'll tell you why off air. Uh, anyway, we have an interesting show. I think you'll like this one because oh. somebody you know personally is on this list we're going to read. Mm. I know. I just tell people that because you're no. a big fan. Yeah, they don't. He doesn't. He doesn't write, ever write back with any of the. Uh, well, you keep putting too much hair and yeah, right. other stuff in the letters. Well, that only works. Anyway, uh, stick around, and we have a great show for you. This is the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Dun, 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 dun. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Yokohama Yak Yodeler Church. Yeah. Now, yodeling, while it is a verb, yak yodeler is not a thing. Like, you can't. Yeah. You can't yodel a yak. That doesn't make sense. But And yaks, as far as I know, are not anywhere near Japan, so Yokohama Yak Yodeler makes no sense. None. But there's very few Y words I could think of off the top of my head that would have worked. Um, I immediately just thought of the uh, Yak the Yak, Don't Talk Back, but done in a Yodeling theme somehow. I'll go for that. I don't know how that would work or sound, but I'm interested. Yeah, that'd be all right. Uh, today's episode, I don't know if I'm going to title this one. This will be a DBS episode. I'm kind of trying to push off that 100 episode because free, yeah, that's going to, like, we haven't come up with an idea. What to do. We can't just be like, 100 episodes, clappity clap. Like, we got to do something, I would think. I don't know. I thought the theme song was changing. Well, we're changing the theme thing. song, but, like, what's the actual episode going to be about? Reflection? Our failures? Our failures? Oh, our oh, failures. failures. I mean, that's what we get the most to talk about. I know. Uh, ranking the 10 best American authors from the 20th century. And this is from uh, edamurray.com. So I don't know who Ed A. Murray is, but this is his picks. Uh, it's from 2020, a couple years ago. I keep thinking 2020 is like now. Right, yeah. or it, it's, it's very recent. It's two it, years ago. Well, it's, either, it's like it's now or it's a very long time ago. Well, when I read that intro 
to the the devil where's the blue the whatever devil yeah. in the blue dress it said 30 years ago and i looked at the date because it was published in 1990 and i almost threw up because that's 30 <laughs> years ago yeah and i'm born before that <laughs> yeah, right. what the fuck that sucks <laughs> i'm not gonna read this guy's introduction i just wanted to go into his list because it's a top 10 list and i don't know how you feel about the top 10 um at I least just, these ones are numbered I, I'm only doing this list because it was unique in some of the choices, and I disagreed with a lot of the choices. Not necessarily, well, it's hard to say, like, order, because that's a personal thing, mm-hmm. but just, I would like to say just the top ten. Uh, there's people I feel that shouldn't be in the top ten, and then some people who I would want in the top ten. And this is going to be difficult, probably for both of us, because I don't think either of us have read a lot of these people's work, no. most likely. And you don't have this in front of you, and I don't feel like bringing it up on the computer, so I'm just going to read them. So 10 is J.D. Salinger. I already have beef. I'm going to go with my beefs after the list, but I already got beef with that. And you know why. why. (laughs) I know why. While Lamost began, his name's Lamost? Oh, man, I must need glasses. I put I and almost together. (laughs) Wow. It's not even small font. It's been a long day. The cold is fucking with me. My whole body's falling apart. While I almost began this list with T.S. Eliot, that would have been a good choice, I decided to go with J.D. Salinger simply because he spent all of this writing all of this writing years in America. Though born in America, Eliot spent all of his... Oh, I get it. Fucking Eliot wrote in England. He spent and, all of his time in America yeah, writing. he worded that weird. Along with Harper Lee, Salinger could be considered one hit, a one-hit wonder in the literary world. Salinger has had some other work out, but like, I don't know how many novels he's had. Ashley was more of a fan of his like real life, I guess, because I think he's like a war hero and stuff. I didn't so really. What's his one hit wonder? Catcher in the Rye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you haven't even read it yet. Yeah. It's like you don't. We did. The... If you folks are interested, we covered Catcher in the Rye on Inebriated. It was supposed to be a series, the Inebriated reading. I think we did one, maybe two episodes, and we just finished it. We're like, we can't talk about this shit phony book anymore. Some people like it. Some people just fucking hate it. I'm indifferent. I, I thought it was okay. I just I didn't like the character, so. I didn't. Uh, I I read this in my 30s as well, so obviously I didn't relate to the yeah. you know problems of a petulant, whiny, fucking, very privileged rich kid who, you know what? I'm not going to do it. So 10 is J D. Salinger, number nine Harper Lee. I can see why because To Kill a Mockingbird, in my opinion, because I read that what, a couple years ago, is one of the most important books in American literature, if not just literature in general. I really enjoyed the book, but that was her only book. The other one she had was like right before she died, and it's supposed to be a sequel, but it's just like somebody stole it, or I think it was, I don't know, it was like she shit it out, and it was terrible and racist, and nobody liked it, but I wouldn't count that. It's like you're on your deathbed, and somebody makes you put out a fucking book, like Mm. something that was written 50 years, 100 years ago, whatever. Number eight, here's where it gets interesting. Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, We don't need to elaborate on Mr. King's work, but... Again, I'm I'm going to hold off on my opinions till the end. I was just happy he was on the list. Mm Mm-hmm. Some people Honest, the, honestly, I thought he was going to be like 10. In the classic lit group, this is where this article was initially posted, at least where I saw it. A lot of people had beat very strong beef with that de- uh, decision. But a lot of people in general in that group shun Stephen King. While others, like us, say, hey, he's a modern American writer, and he's damn good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I could get why you would people would say, you know, he's not a classic lit. He wouldn't fit in that. Well, yeah, he's not a classic lit writer. He's fucking, you know, came out in the 70s. Seven, Maya Angelou. So it was an odd choice uh, because did she? She might have had a novel. Let's see, because she's a poet. 
She had memoirs. And she did have books and essays and stuff, but she's mainly known as a poet. She didn't like have a best-selling, you know, great American novel. She was a poet, which I, I really like her work, you know, like Why the Caged Bird Sings and stuff like that. So I could see her on the list if we're just doing that in general. Because this wasn't, was this novelist? I, I think he just said writer. Yeah, so American author. So that works. Um, I'll go with that. Number six, Theodore Seuss, a.k.a. Ted Geisel. Oh, I fucked that all up. <laughs> Theodore Seuss, Ted Geisel. That's fucking Dr. Seuss. I don't know why they put his name like that. He's Dr. Seuss. If you're going to add kids literature, obviously, doc- come on, everybody knows Dr. Seuss. Yep, yep. Um, also, by the way, for folks who don't know, he actually pronounced it Seuss. I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember hearing that someplace else before. It just sounds and so come weird. on, brah. It's Seuss. You're a Seuss. Number five on the list, Ernest Hemingway. Uh, it's hard not to have him on any kind of American top author list because, goddamn it, he's Ernest Hemingway, you know? A lot of pe- a lot of Americans, when you say, well, maybe not now because people are stupid, but in the olden days, like, what are you, a regular Hemingway? Like how they would say Shakespeare, you know? Yeah. It's the American version. You're a regular Hemingway. Yeah, know? he has that uh, clout and reputation. Mm-hmm. Number four, which I do not disagree with this choice at all. I just thought it was a unique choice uh, for the top five was Toni Morrison. Uh, I have not read her work yet, but like Beloved is considered one of, if not the best American novel of all time. So I would definitely put her there. It's hard. Like I said, it's hard for us to put people in the top ten when we haven't read their work. I mean, if you really think of our reading of American authors, how many would we even be able to fit a top ten? Right. I don't know how well read I am, but Toni Morrison, I, I can see that. Number three, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Again, like Hemingway, it's hard not to include him on the list. I would have Hemingway over him because while he did write The Great Gatsby, which is probably considered way better than any of Hemingway's work. I won't say way better, better, but uh, well, the, more I, esteemed. You well, know? again, say the the writing styles are so different. Aren't yeah, they? But, but I'm just saying, like as far as what connected with audience, like you know, what was a shooting star at one time was the uh, the Great Gatsby. Versus Hemingway's work was just consistently good, but you know F. Scott Fitzgerald kind of fizzled out there. I'd say how what like how much more did he write? He has other books. He had books before the Great Great Gatsby was a big failure at first. It wasn't until they uh, sent it overseas uh, for the troops to read, just as like a pick me up for some reason, uh, that they that it became popular. Like Catcher in the Rye, I don't think was really popular until they just started putting in schools and shit. But he had like. this Side of Paradise, I think, came out before. One of those was, like, a big hit before, and then they were, like, disappointed that The Great Gatsby sucked, quote-unquote, at the time. But then it got real popular. Uh, and he was, like, a jazz-age jazz king, but as soon as the 30s came, no more jazz-age. He, I mean, what the fuck did he write after that? He's trying to be, like, write... He was trying to write screenplays for Hollywood, and that didn't work out, and he's a drunk and went to shit. Number two, William Faulkner. I have not read his work yet, but it's very, very dense and difficult, from my understanding, just from the excerpts I've read. Like, The Sound of the Fury is on my list. Absalom, Absalom's on my list. Um, As I Lie Dying is on my list. But the, a lot of it's, like, stream of consciousness stuff. Like, just flowing. You don't know who's talking, what's going on. Kind of plotless, aimless. Like, experimenter kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, a lot of postmodernist stuff. Like, that's why I haven't read any Joyce, really, outside of short stories. Because we, like, just from reading his fart letters, <laughs> we're like, damn, this guy could write. Yeah. But at the same time, do you want to read a story you don't understand? You know, that's, like, I have to be in a certain mood for that. Number one, John Steinbeck, and that's the one I do agree with. Yeah. Uh, you know my buddy John. Yeah. I like me some John Steinbeck. You've only read a couple of his works, but right? I, I would, I would agree. I can, I can agree with that. The only I've read most of Steinbeck's work, uh, at least his fiction, and the only thing I really didn't care for was that King Arthur stuff, mm-hmm. which technically was a first draft that he didn't finish. Yeah. It, so he died before he could finish it. Much so. like Harper Lee's 
Along Came a Watchman or whatever that fucking sequel is. Uh, it was kind of almost released without his permission, right? Because he was dead. Like he didn't he didn't finish it. And I would imagine if I was a writer, I wouldn't want people to publish my unfinished work. Uh, so that's weird. So going back, the people I'm going to add to this list, I can't really put them in any particular order because I haven't really thought that far. And also, I'm kind of being an asshole doing this because some of them I haven't even read <laughs> my other choices. So J.D. Salinger. Well, I understand that he was, uh, you know, very big with Catcher in the Rye. That was like it. I feel like if you're a one-hit wonder, you can't be on the list. That's just my opinion. So I would pr- replace him. Well, especially whenever, like, that, especially when that one-hit wonder is still very, like, it's not, uh, like, everybody's like, yes, it's not that uh, is is good. Like, you know what I mean? It's not beloved by everyone. Yeah, yeah, it could be like, I, and I don't know what example you'd use from that, but I could see if, like, a, if there was somebody who only wrote one novel, but it was, like, the touted novel, yeah. as, like, like... To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, Perfect okay, yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. All right. And when I first read this, because I'm a fucking buffoon, I didn't read the 20th century part. I just thought American authors, and I saw no Poe, no Mark Twain. Yeah. I was like, whoa! whoa. <laughs> but then I read, you know, I fixed myself. So anyway... So Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Salinger, he's getting bumped. I'm taking him off, yeah. and I'm replacing him. And again, I can't put these people in order necessarily because I haven't read enough of their work. But And I, I only read short stories, so I can't even say, but I'm going by consistency of quality. So someone who's very known for consistent work, even though I haven't personally read it, Ray Bradbury. How do you not have Ray Bradbury in the top ten, right? Uh, I feel like he definitely beats a one-hit wonder. Next up, we have Harper Lee. Like I said, one of the greatest works of all time, but I would not have Harper Lee in the top ten because there's also some debate whether she actually wrote it or if it was her editor editor that fucking made the book, you know, what it is. Uh, so I wouldn't say Harper Lee. I would throw in Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. And even I, though I only read Slaughterhouse-Five and some of his short stories, I feel like he has to qualify because his other books people know and he's very well-established. I, was, I wasn't sure what his... Uh, yeah, because he would fall in the 20th yeah, yeah, century. He's in the 50s or whatever. Number eight, Stephen King. Keep the King. Yeah. Now, order. Our order would be different. I think eight's fine. Yeah, that's... Like I said, I'm just... Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I was... Definitely, when I whenever I first saw this list and I clicked on the thing, when I didn't see him at, like, 10, I was just like, God damn, these assholes. He thought he'd be 10, yeah. Yeah, and then, but they gave him 8, so I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like I said, I'm just happy he's on the list. For a genre writer to be on the list, I feel is pretty impressive. And for his work, I, I you can't deny it. Like, if you write so many books, and they're at least of, even if they're just B quality, like, if you consider Stephen King's work just B grade, but he has 60-plus fucking books that are like that. I would say that would qualify you on the list. And, and as we brought up, you know, many times before, he has you know, he has done many stories like Shawshank and Green Mile. Well, it's just it's not, not all supernatural horror, yeah. you know? It's, there's different things. Like Even whenever there is still some supernatural thing, it's it has it's not just like a, a monster thing. Yeah. It's to, I don't know, highlight or enhance things. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Maya Angelou. I would keep her, though it's hard for me to have a poet be on a list with other, like, just mostly novelists. That's a little tough. Same with number six, Dr. Seuss. I mean, I get it. Like, it's, I mean, to say Maya Angelou isn't one of the greatest American authors, that would be a foolish thing to say. I don't know if I would have her necessarily at seven. Again, just because I'm kind of looking at this from novelists, you mm-hmm. know, or short stories even, but I, I'm, I'm fine with her on the list. I think that's perfectly acceptable. It's it's hard for me because especially I, because you want to have like maybe you want to have that one poet 
Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? You want to represent that group of... My, I guess my only real issue is, like, I'm a fan of uh, Richard Wright and Ralph Ellison, but they only are really known for one book each. Like, mm. kind of one-hit wonder, so... You can't really bump my Angelou off for that. It's just like Invisible Man and Native Son were such incredible novels. Uh, but you know, if we're going, we're keeping with consistency here. Like we got rid of Harper Lee because of that. We have to can't count those guys. So number six, uh, Doctor Seuss. I would probably put him ten if I was yeah. going to put him in the top because yeah. obviously he's had an impact. Uh, but is it hard? It's like whenever you've only done like ch- children's novels or stories. Like you know what I mean? It's kind of hard to. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, and then it's I feel a- like that almost needs to be another category, almost. But then I, that's probably not. Honestly, to fill it out. I, I actually I probably wouldn't put Doctor Seuss top ten because then if you're doing that with the children's books, it's like, well, why can't we have like a comics guy? Yeah, why can't we have like a Frank Miller or somebody on the list? Like, why is it just strictly because that's like very similar to Doctor Seuss books? They were just, like they're mostly cartoons, right? Yeah, with like goofy, you know, rhyming. They weren't like novels. Uh, they weren't even like actual, they weren't like Harry Potter books. They were, you know, like Dr. Seuss books are just like kind of cartoony fun things. So I would say like there's plenty of comic or uh, writers who could have probably filled the spot too. So yeah, actually I'll bump a Dr. Seuss. Who would we replace Dr. Seuss with? Who else on the list is he? See, I'm not bumping anyone else off of this list. So Dr. Seuss would be the only other person bumped. See, I can't say Thomas Wolfe because I haven't read his work yet, but he probably considered one of the best just writers, period, of all time. It's just his actual work, like his novels and stuff. I don't know how many... he Because he died young, too. I don't think he wrote enough novels that became... like They weren't, like, popular enough. Like, he was popular in his day, but... I mean, can you name a Thomas Wolfe novel? No. No. And, I mean, you could... I just know you have that big, thick thing. Yeah. I mean, you could have Truman Capote. You could have uh, the other author, Tom Wolfe. Um... Now, I qu- uh, my question is, how long do you think we have to wait until you could um, maybe like throw like a Neil Gaiman or not something a, like that? Not American. Oh, that's true. This is America. Yeah, that's that's why I said because then I could have said Doctor Seuss. Fuck off, Alan Moore. You're in. Yeah, like you can't. You know, the American is this. That's what makes it's so this weird tricky. too, and it's so weird now too because it's like it's hard to because like he's probably lived in America for like you know yeah. years and it's uh, yeah yeah that's and you know what's also weird is you don't hear of the great Britain novel like you don't hear of the great Canadian novel or the you never see list of awesome Canadian authors like the greatest it's always America because we're stuck up who's the best Canuck writer yeah like Russia has like fucking argue, arguably better writers than we had like Dostoevsky and Tolstoy and stuff but do you really see lists like that I mean they're always on the writers all time writers list but you never see like top Russian writers I mean I'm sure those lists are out there it's just like they're not prominent like this again who would we bu- personally a lot of people are definitely going to disagree with this. I'm going Robert E. Howard. Yeah? Look, I know he's pulpy. See, I thought maybe you would put Token in there. He's British. Oh, yeah. Again, the American part. Um, You know what? See, I haven't read enough of his work, so I can't say Chandler. Because Raymond Chan- mm. Chandler probably, you know, he could probably be a fit for this, too. Because uh, I feel like the pulp writer should be representative. I wouldn't go H.P. Lovecraft just because I didn't enjoy his work enough. Like, Robert E. Howard's my guy. Yeah. I really liked most of his work. I would put Robert E. Howard in there just to represent the fantasy and pulp genre. Um, so fuck you guys if you don't like it. I wouldn't put him number, what is that, six? Yeah. I'd put him nine like, or ten. Yeah. Five, Ernest Hemingway. Uh, four, Tony Morrison. Uh, three, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Two, Faulkner. 
and Steinbeck. While Faulkner is probably considered way better of a writer than probably anybody on this list, uh, just for the subject matter, and again, not me not having read him, I would put him at the five spot, just because, as going with Stephen King, you need accessibility too. Like your the readers have to be able to read your work and mm-hmm. like like you can't just be literary snobs that like your work you know that's where my opinion lies so I would say Faulkner five uh, and once I read his work that might change I'll give Hemingway the four spot Toni Morrison the third spot actually I'll give uh no I will give Fitzgerald the four spot Hemingway the third spot Toni Morrison the second spot and my boy John Steinbeck still goes number one because I don't think anybody has written such Americana, you know? Like, all his work is so American. Granted, it's usually California stuff, yeah. but... And he's a great example of what you were saying, like, with, like, the accessibility of, like... Anyone can read a Steinbeck book. Yeah, and, like, just uh, from the little bit that I've read, what and how he writes um, is just so easy, and it and it flows, and it's not, like, a challenger. It's not like, it's not like you're reading... Like like uh like doing a book report or something that right. you have to do, you know. Can I have a controversial pick? Sure, why not? If we had to bump someone off of that list, or you know, because I pick Robert E. Howard. Okay, say Howard doesn't cut the snuff for most people, because most people don't know Robert E. Howard. That's yeah, fine. True. So if we have an actual recognizable name to take, you know, just be in the top ten somewhere. While I personally wouldn't pick this individual, I kind of think you have to go Cormac McCarthy. Because I was actually waiting. I was actually waiting. I was surprised he wasn't on the list. Yeah, I was waiting for him to be on the list because I thought we. I was waiting so we could do the slow pause and just put the the music in the back every time that that he gets brought up in the podcast. Cormac McCarthy, Norman Mailer, and John Updike, I think, could all have a claim to the top ten just because like their work's been made into movies and everything, but they're still kind of literary guys. So you could probably fucking swap out any of those guys. Um, I've only read The Road and. What we did of Blood Meridian. What we show not speak uh, of. Uh, uh. And then uh, Norman Mailer, I only read The Fight, so I haven't read his work. And then John Updike, I haven't gotten to his, but I think Ashley said he read that Rabbit series or whatever, Run Rabbit. Uh, apparently it was good. I don't know. On my list. Moving on, because this kind of segues, this isn't going to be the title of the episode, but I was thinking about the great American novel, and I saw a post in here, and this guy did it the right way. He did just alphabetical order of what he thinks would fit the bill as the great American novel. Um, this is a pretty big list, so I'm just going to kind of highlight some of these. I'm not going to go through. So, he started off, he had Absalom, Absalom by William Faulkner, uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Beloved by Toni Morrison, Blood Meridian, uh, then he had The Confidence Man by Herman Melville, and he picked that because he did not, he didn't think Moby Dick fit the bill for America, because it was more about whaling, I guess. Like, he didn't fit, because when you think of the great of American novel, it's supposed to be highlighting America in a certain way and, like, a feel of America. And there's a bunch of, like, Grapes of Wrath and different things like that on here. So I was thinking about this, and what my top picks would have to be... Fair and Losing and Luck Vazit. That was on my list. Well, I actually have a good reason for that. Um, Hold on, I'm going to read what my comment was on here. Why doesn't it come up with just my name? Like, why wouldn't I be on top? Fucking Facebook's a joke. Facebook's a fucking joke. Zuckerberg is a robot. He's not a robot. He's a robot. He's a fucking... That's a Jewish robot. A robot. Um, Zuckerberg might actually be a Jewish name. That's probably like anti-Semitic then yeah. if I'm making fun of him. Anyway, uh, I forget what I was saying. But just go, I'm just going to go off of that list. So what uh, my picks were, 
in no particular order because I think if you vote for the great American novel, it's just an era thing. You can't just say oh, this is the greatest American novel of all time. Yeah. Because it has to go when the era it was written. There's nothing that's going to fit, you know, a book from the 1800s is going to fit now. While I haven't read Huckleberry Finn yet, I did read Tom Sawyer, so I kind of feel like where Huckleberry Finn's going to go. And since people regard that so much better, I'd say obviously that one would be considered the great American novel, if not the first great American novel. I would say Grapes of Wrath probably from Steinbeck. I think that fits more of the era than because, you know, Mice of Men is not really... That's just about two guys. That's too, like, small. Yeah. And then East of Eden is too big and grand. I think that just fills too much. So I would say... Of course, the winner of our discontent could also fit for a Steinbeck book because that was like, you know, small town, white suburban America. So that was like the era. But I would go, I think, of all Grapes of Wrath, I would say, which this guy did not list for some reason, To Kill a Mockingbird. I don't see how it gets much yeah. more Americana than the fucking racist South. You Especially know, Especially like, when you when you put in the caveat of the time that it's Yeah, written. go with the era. So that definitely has a claim. I would go with, uh, see, here's my problem. Because with Invisible Man and Native Son, I like Native Son more than Invisible Man, but Invisible Man is regarded higher and probably does tell the story of, like, black people in the 20s, 30s, and 40s better than Native Son. Because Native Son's really gritty and there's murder. and like. So I would say Invisible Man probably would take the spot of, like, the great American novel. I haven't read Beloved by Toni Morrison, but from my understanding and the synopsis I read of it, that would fit the bill. Like you said, Fear and Loathing, that's like the whole book's about the end of the 60s going into the 70s. That that fits. Uh, I'd probably throw in, see, I only read Dharma Bums from Jack Kerouac. I did not read uh, On the Road, but I would imagine, because on, on the Road's what made him real famous. So I would imagine On the Road would be, because that's like the beatnik era, and like, you know, those, those fucking group of traveling weirdos. So I'd throw that in. I would even say the Amer uh, American Psycho, it seems like an oddball pick. I think American Psycho would have a claim to the great American novel because what, you know, really expresses like the fucking chaotic Wall Street 80s yeah. better than that book. Mm -hmm. What else would possibly fit that bill? What would you like? What See, like, I don't know because like I, I'm just now recently in the past few years starting to branch out into more things. So, mm -hmm. like, I'm not even, like, I don't even know what you consider. Like, what would represent, because a lot of people said Blood Meridian because of the, the, the area. and the, See, I just didn't like it, so I can't yeah. say Blood Meridian. But uh, I, I could get why people would pick that because, you know, it's like the, the Western anti-Western, but it's, you know, the Wild West would be something that would fit the bill. Um, fuck. Trying to think of something that we both read that would count, but we most of the like, classic lit stuff we read that outside of Steinbeck was like foreign stuff. I yeah, think. I don't think there's any Stephen King that would count mm, that I know. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't. Yeah, I the don't. The closest might actually be Revival. Uh, I mean, maybe because it kind of the broad spectrum yeah. of America, and there's a lot. Well, see, I haven't read enough of his work. Does he have some work that's like very American? Just any area, you know, just yeah. any. I mean. I don't know, like, it's hard to, like, because he has things that, like, you know, like, because, like, we say, like, the Green Mile, that takes, you know, place yeah. down, like, slavery. and That wasn't was a full novel, was it? It was a, it Novella. was, it was a collection of, it was, like, uh, like, a six-part, like, so all together it makes, like, you know, like, a full novel. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't. Well, didn't he write, what was that, uh, was it 1963 or something? 
Did oh. you write something about the Kenny assassination? Yeah, it was like a time travel story where a guy goes back to try to stop the assassination and just like kind of deals with all like that kind of stuff. I would imagine none of those are regarded high enough to make the cut. I'm going to see real quick before we end this what comes up if I just look that. Because there were some, because I was looking, there's like some weird things that came up. I'm definitely going to get some shit for this if there's any classic lit uh, people reading. I, because there's very few modern books I've even liked, like in the last 10, 15 years, let alone what I would consider the great American novel. I would say Norm MacDonald's based on a true story <laughs> kind of fits, though. Because if you're going to ask Fear and Loathing. Yeah. It, it definitely falls within that, that yeah. wheelhouse. Granted, it's not necessarily about the time periods and stuff he was in, so I get it doesn't have that super American aspect to it, and he's Canadian, so I guess you can't <laughs> count him, but I just feel like like his experience- hey, Why can't a Canadian write a, <laughs> one of the best uh, American novels? Because there's imaginary borders. Uh, so other people have picked The Scarlet Letter. I actually never read that. Uh, the Joy Luck Club- Gone with the Wind, I can see. It was like a Civil War era. Yeah. I mean, yeah, with not ever reading it or watching the movie, I mean, mm-hmm. but yeah, I could I could see that. The Last of the Mohicans, that's another one I would consider, definitely. I uh, never heard of Ragtime. Uh, the Sound and the Fury, I never read that. Um, but again, that's on my list, and I can see why that would be picked. Uh, the Outsiders was actually a big one. Um, we read well, that in school. Yeah. Well, I could see that. Because yeah, of the makes, time period. Yeah, that was like greasers and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Uh, Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, I agree. Kill a Mockingbird. The Great... Yeah, the Great... How did I forget the Great Gatsby? Obviously, we were just Gatsby. talking about it, too. Yeah, like, that was the whole fucking era. That's, like, one of the top American... Great American novels. Middlesex by Jeffrey... You, I never read that. Uh, I heard that's, like, one of the, Is that one of those difficult? I don't remember. Uh, and The Grapes of Wrath. So, yeah, that's good. I just thought that was, like, an interesting topic. But I was trying to think, like, outside of the box what would be considered. But other than Fear and Loathing, I'm not quite sure. I'm not familiar enough with uh, Vonnegut's work to know if he wrote something that would be very American. Um, he did a lot of sci-fi stuff. And See, that's, like, a lot of stuff that I that I read don't focus, like, just on... Like, the American can, life of the yeah, time. Yeah, you know. Like, Steinbeck was great for that. He was always, like, the slice of America, you know? Which is interesting because you've ever said who wrote the great Japanese novel. I think Haruki Murakami would pop up numerous times because his stories always have that Steinbeck feel of like this is Japan, this is what it's like in this time mm-hmm. in this part of Japan. But I guess you don't really get that with a lot of American authors nowadays. Like I don't know, it's weird. I mean, there's some that Colson Whitehead guy. He had a couple bo- like the one book I forget the name of it. I was gonna read. Um, I think it was like a slavery book, and that seemed like that would obviously fit the bill. Um, I'd be interested in checking wasn't that, that out. Wasn't that Ten Years a Slave? Wasn't that a... Solomon Northup. Was, was a book before... I think that... Well, that's like a memoir, though. That's oh. not... This is just fiction. So that's not fiction. That's like sad, awful, horrible Re- real life. Realize. I had that sitting there. I've been meaning to read it. It's just like, I don't want to get that depressed, you know? And I watched the movie, and it was really good, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, yeah. Jesus. No wonder why this won every Oscar. You can't... You'd be racist if you didn't give that the Oscar, <laughs> right? Like, come on. You got to give that the Oscar. All right, so you have any parting words for our listener, Spencer? Uh, Going no, back to the top ten think... list, did you, did you agree with the... You think that was a good list? I mean, for my knowledge of, like, those kind of authors, mm. um, I think, uh, for the most part, I agree, but I also uh, like some of the changes that we made. You yeah. Know, that, but, yeah, like, um, it's going to be hard for me to argue any kind of, like, that kind of stuff until I... Uh, continue to branch out, you know, mm. more more of my uh, 
what I'm reading and, you know, trying yeah. to tackle more of those kind of things. I'd like to cover, like, an English author's list sometime. And it wouldn't have to be 20th century because I don't know where a lot of these people fall. Well, obviously, like, Dickens wouldn't fall, but because Dickens would probably be number one. Unless you count Shakespeare. I mean, if you're going that far back, Shakespeare takes the cake. But yeah. I hate Shakespeare. But he's the best, I guess. Uh, and then you got Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Tolkien, like. I just feel like a lot of people sometimes, like, there's a lot of people where I'm like, oh, that's a great author. And then I find out, I was like, oh, they're British. I didn't, yeah. why did I know that? Like, so, w- Wells. Yeah, H.G. Wells. I wouldn't, like, I would I guess. Of course, I would have thought Jules Verne was British, but he's French. Oh, yeah. That's, I still, I'm not a Frenchman. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you don't say. It's weird because for a guy who likes, like, different languages and is so invested in learning about different cultures and reading books from all over the world and stuff, I just never have ever, ever, ever given a shit about France. I don't know why. Maybe just all the jokes we heard growing up about them being jerks. It's weird. Like, I never cared about French literature. I never thought going to Paris would be fun. I didn't even know French had literature. Yeah, they're fucking crazy. Like, Le Mis and all that stuff. Oh, that, that's terrible. <laughs> They're fucking snobby. Uh, I shouldn't say that because we have French listeners, like 10 of them. But it's just, I have no problem with France. I just, I'm just never interested in France. Like, the food never really appealed to me. The Like I said, like, the city living in Paris. Well, a good baguette might be good, you know. Baguette and some, I like espresso. I like coffee. I just feel like if I went over there, I think that, the, here's the main issue. If I went over there, they would, because we are, me and you both speak stupid. Yeah, <laughs> dumb. We're not good with English, let alone trying to do French. We would just be made fun of the whole time, I think. Whereas we go to London, I feel like, or just England in general, I feel like most places we go, they might like, you know, take the piss, uh, yeah. but they're going to be on our side kind yeah. of thing. But it's fun, guys. But I just feel like France is the one country where you go to, they're not going to have fun with you. They're just going to yeah. be dicks. Because even if you, tr- like... You know, I think like a lot of times when you go to different places, if you're trying, especially when when you're doing another language, it's like mm-hmm. as if you're trying, you know, they try to work with you. But I feel they like they appreciate Fran- that you yeah. try to learn the language. But, but I, French are like, oh, you indignant. don't speak it perfectly. Fuck off, fucking. Jer- Even if you do, because I've watched this girl's uh, TikToks come up sometimes on the reels, and she. Uh, she lives in France, but I think she's an yeah she's an American, so that's like her whole thing. And she speaks like really good French, so she'll go into like a restaurant, but she'll mess up like just one tiny thing, and then it's like ooh, like they always have to point it out, and they're just dicks. And I just I don't I don't want to deal with that, but it's weird because like Italy, I'm down for Spain, yeah. England, Ireland, anywhere in Europe, pretty much Russia, I would even go to. Uh, though I, that's another weird one for being a classic lit guy. I'm not really like I don't give much of a shit about. France, uh, French, German, or Russian literature, which like I like Kafka, but other than that, like I don't really see. Care. I wasn't sure. I was when we were talking about authors. I almost brought off Kafka, but I wasn't exactly sure. Name's Franz, dude. How many Americans you know her name Franz? Not France, Franz, like Franz Ferdinand. So I, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a Eurocentric. I'm not even really a Eurocentric guy. I mean, I have a lot of like. I like a lot of English writers and their work and stuff, but I just I'm, I'm more interested in like Japanese fiction and Latin American fiction, and I just think they give more variety and like the magical realism stuff more. I'm not really while I do enjoy some of the bleakness of like Dickens, you know, Great Expectations or the fucking you know the Twin City bullshit, whatever. Like I just I don't. I don't like Bleak House. I heard that like, it's bleak. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't want to be bleak. Like, Dracula's I, fun, but mm. at the same time, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of depressing at times. I definitely do like when it comes to different places doing reading stuff from, you know, like 
Japan, like the, just the different kind of stories and the storytelling's different. Yeah, and so that's what I like sometimes about trying to check things out from different different places is seeing like what kind of stories they tell and like how they tell them. Like, like I said before, that's one of the reasons why like I'm liking like even though I haven't read them much, you know, but I'm finding myself more interested in like mangas other than like to American comics because yeah. just like the ideas or the weird like settings or whatever it is, whatever the hook is, it seems like Well, a lot of that comes from their folklore because they have such a rich and fucking weird folklore and their history goes back so far and they were oh. isolated for so long yeah. that Japan is like everything is like you talk about like, oh, that's Japanese. Like you could say that about, oh, you know, that's Spanish. That, But that can mean multiple things. But if you say it's Japanese, that's Japanese. Yeah, like there's yeah. nothing that's going to be like that. You can't mistake Japanese for Korean or Chinese. Like it, Japanese is very distinct. Like just the culture, uh, the way that, that they come up. And especially when you go pre-Meiji period, it's just very distinct. And samurais and fucking all that shit. So that's very cool. America's weird because it's like such a hodgepodge of people that we get all kinds. Like American Gods was a good example because you get all the folklore. And two, like even even now, you know, we've been saying it for a while, but like America's still just like a baby. Yeah. When it comes to country, like you know what I mean. Controversial pick. I would say American Gods qualifies as the great American novel, even though it's written by a British guy. Yeah. Because it takes place across the whole United States, and it's about different folklore blending into America. Come on. You, hey, you're not going to get an argument out of me. You need to read that. It's so fucking good. Anyway, uh, before we fucking rattle on more and more about my, I could just I do a whole episode about different cultures, fucking literary fiction and stuff, because I like it, but we don't need to. Uh, if you want to check out our work that is not anytime soon going to be the great American uh, anything, I am 55 pages into my novel, my dude, by the way. Nice. Yes, it is. So if you want to check out my novel in the future, keep updated by going to drunkenpenwriting.com and just read our work because we ain't posting shit on there right now. Uh, we're busy. Leave us alone. Uh, go to Twitter and follow us at drunkpenwriting where we post some saucy literary memes here and there. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, same deal. Same dealio. Uh, that's at drunkenpenwriting though, so not the same dealio completely. We do have a YouTube channel if you're not listening or watching on YouTube, which you can't watch because we don't have video. Uh, we could, just don't want to. It's more work for me. I don't want to do more work. That's my problem. I want to do less work, but get more views and money, especially the money part that we the see. money the money would be nice, preferably money without even any views. That'd be great. Yeah, just somebody can hand us money. Any big announcements for me, Spencer? Just that we're gonna read please. Devil in the Blue Dress for February, and please give us monies. And give us monies. Um, Spencer's OnlyFans is actually deactivated this week. Very depressing. I know the fucking Yakko alert yeah. would have been wonderful, but sadly, it was taken already. Well, he broke the rule. You broke the rules. Yeah. Yeah, who knew the guidelines were so strict in some certain aspects? Mm. If you want to know... Don't worry about what rule was broken. It was the yodeling of the yak <laughs> that was the problem. Um, because, like I said, yodeling's a verb, but to be able to do it to something doesn't make sense. But he did. <laughs> and you don't want to know how. But he got banned. Only like 30 days, right? Or yeah. a week? or I don't yeah. know. You can fight it. Just uh, fight it. So, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll check you out next time. <laughs>